Ben Bressington is a sales expert and the founder of Behaviour Sales, which helps you to rapidly improve your influence, authority and persuasion by using Behaviour Insights technology. This episode, Ben teaches you to overcome subconscious objections faster by hacking communication and using instant trust and authority strategies. If you think of people as a machine, right? People as a computer, uh, what are the programming that is making them do certain things? And let's face it, you wake up in the morning, you kind of get out of the same side of the bed, you'll have a habit pattern that you go through, right? Um, you'll check your phone for a few minutes. You might go make a coffee. You might take your phone into the bathroom with you. Like you do the same thing every morning. So the thing is, is it's all about how do you crack into these existing behavioral patterns to get people to buy your stuff, do your stuff, join your club, listen to your podcast? Um, how do you tap into that uh, human engagement? It's huge in the uh, cybersecurity or um, gaming field. They call it gamification, actually applying game mechanics is what they call it, like points, badges, leaderboards. We see the impact of this on our life. It makes us addicted to stuff. But all of that is um, something you can hack, something you can uh, tap into in a sales conversation, in a business, in something you're promoting, and therefore get the result you want. You can use it for influence. You can use it for persuasion. So social engineering is just really more hacking people than hacking machines because with anything, in any ecosystem, in anything, uh, humans uh, are the easiest thing to hack. Uh, They're sometimes the most difficult thing to understand. But uh, when you understand somebody's beliefs, their decision-making process, their logic, you can pretty much predict what they're going to do no matter where they do it. Yeah. And where do you start with, you know, starting to quote unquote hack a person? Do I kind of go and go, oh, they're dressed in this way. That might mean they're interested in X, Y, Z thing. Or is it something completely different that I'm unaware of? Well, one of the things I always say is that uh, the body is always communicating. It's always communicating its true intent, no matter how you want to mask it. And the, one of the fundamentals we teach people is that there's four personality types. And if you can identify the four personality types, you can then start to profile people in completely new ways. And that's where most people, they make those mistakes. Yes, there's a whole myriad of body languages you can read and you become a body language specialist, um, which is great. But like most people learn this stuff with no practical application. So I teach people the four personality styles. And then from there, we teach you literally how to profile and read people in a conversation, be it a Zoom call, a conference call, you're trying to pitch them, uh, you need to be aware of an objection. And then from that, you can... You can read into like just by looking at what people uh, addressed or what's in their background, like you can understand what's going on because they're they're always communicating, right? Mm -hmm. Like the typical example is uh, you're driving or you're on the road, and uh, I know over here in the US, we you can be stuck behind someone and they're they're a truck, right? Yeah. But it's a lifted truck. Like this truck is like you know uh, we call a Hilux or whatever it is in, in in Australia. Uh, but like this thing is like an F-250, a big, one of those uh, ranch trucks or whatever you want to call it, right? Mm. Um, now we call them a ute in Australia. Yeah. But the thing is this thing sits six foot high. It's got like balls hanging from the back of it. It's got like uh, I shoot stuff sticker and an MFA <laughs> sticker on the back of that, uh, on the back window of that car. Mm. What's that person communicating to you? They're communicating that they're, you know, might be a masculine person. They might be, you know, somewhat into guns and, you know, the, the typical kind of American that most people imagine in their mind, you know, burgers, women, 
fast cars or big cars and, and guns. Yeah. What's interesting is, is that you could actually profile that person a little bit further and think that like, because most people don't realize is that most of our beliefs are actually created by the time we're somewhere between the five, age of five and seven years old, right? So right now in that truck, is a seven-year-old child trying to live and protect the world. At that point in time, they're literally saying, look, I got hurt in the playground or I got bullied. So you know what? I'm going to show up. I'm going to be big and tough and uh, intimidate others because I'm going to not be the one that gets hurt anymore, right? Mm. So when you start to think of people like that way as these, based on our childhood beliefs, what are the beliefs I created that is literally letting running my life? Does that make sense? Mm. Um, and like it's different but. but between the person who you pull up behind and they got the Prius uh, and they've got like the peace, love stickers on their car, or they've got like, or if you pull up behind a car and they've got sporting stickers or you said about clothing. Yeah. You can judge people by based on their clothing. Like what's their watch? Is it shiny? Is it clean? What are their shoes? Uh, what's their posture? Like what's the clothes they're wearing? Like all these things can inform you as to their mental state. Mm. Because if you're trying to connect with people, what you want to understand is what is your mental state in this moment? And I think where most people fail is they fail to understand that mental state's dynamic. Like if you just had a shitty conversation with someone mm. before you jumped on a call, yeah, you kind of most people are going to carry that through into the next conversation. And they're like, man, what's up with Ben today? Mm. He's a real ass. No, well, he just got kicked in the ribs by something or some problem just happened or, man, he could have stubbed his toe running into, into the phone. Like people fail to take the context into the situation, if that makes sense. And like they'll make the snap judgment, failing to understand the bigger picture or the bigger ramifications of what's going on. And um, that's one of the biggest mistakes people make with uh, interpreting body language or interpreting personality. They think they take this snapshot of you. And I think that snapshot is you fixed for the rest of your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what you're saying to me is people try to sell the product and not the person. And you mentioned at the beginning of what you were saying that there's different types of people. You know, what are those types of people that, that you come across? Yeah. So we've created a system that helps people visualize and mem memorize this. But uh, I believe in the sales process, you should be 100% focused on connecting with the person uh, rather than... Uh, focusing on the product. You're 100% right. Most people sell features and benefits and all this type of stuff, but they fail to connect with the person and ask the quality questions of that person. We've even got what we call the million dollar sales script, which actually helps people connect with people more authentically, um, which uh, can totally transform your game. And it's all about really connecting and defining that person. But let me share the uh, what we call the four birds. Uh, the four birds is it's a bird because it helps people visualize it and you're never going to have to worry about, oh, what the hell was that personality again? Mm. If you remember the animal, you'll remember the personality type guaranteed. So at the end of this, I'm going to give you a quiz, right? So <laughs> hopefully you're going to be paying attention. So okay. our first one is what I call Liberty the Eagle. And Liberty the Eagle is just what you would think. Liberty is fast action. She'll be, uh, she'll be 500 feet up in the air and she'll be able to spot a mouse and she will drop out of the air and pull like she's very decisive, quick right. action. Uh, all about the task at hand, right? Like mm -hmm. they, I'm sure you can think right now, you know, a few eagles, they make snap decisions. They just go, 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 go. Mm. They got clear goals. They're getting somewhere and they want to make something happen, right? You yeah. can picture, picture a few people like that. Yeah, of course. All right. Um, the other one is, let's go to the other side. So the owl uh, is what I call thinker. Um, and the thinker is literally this person wants to think about everything. They want to understand the, uh, they're like the architect. They want to understand the blueprint, the white paper, the research. They want to do their 
homework when like when they're buying a tv they're going to watch uh every video about every type of tv they're going to read every research paper they're going to check all the latest prices they're going to have shopped at 15 different stores online Mm. and they're going to know what features what pixels you name it like Mm. um and this is also the type of person when they say they want to think about it they want to literally think about it um, they've usually got a lot of degrees. They've got a lot of training certifications because knowing stuff is way more important to them than being right. Do you know how many owls in your life do you know? I think I'm a bit of an owl myself, <laughs> to be honest. I don't, I don't know if, what the other types are. I might be a bit of a blend of an animal or some kind of mongrel animal, but I think I'm more of an owl my, myself. Yeah, personally. well, most people have... Yeah, most people have a primary and a secondary, and it's all context-driven, right? Because you can be one way on the podcast, you can be one way at home, you mm. can be one way at work, you can be one way when you're speaking on a stage, you can want, be one way when you're at the DMV. It really, it really, really doesn't matter, right? Mm. And that's where, where a lot of people get mistaken. They just, once again, they take that snapshot and forget the context. So we've got two more, right? So the other one is uh, so the other one is what I call Vegas, which is the peacock. And Vegas is this showy person, just like Vegas. They want to be famous. And you know what frustrates them? Mm. They get frustrated when you stop talking about them. Mm. And Vegas is the type of person that um, wants to always share a story, has always got a story, even though that story may not be relevant to the situation at hand. They're more of the social butterfly, you may call them, right? How right. many How many Vegas, how many peacocks do you know? I try to minimize peacocks in my life because they tend to, you know, kill social situations and, and make people, you know, the lesser people that want to the people that don't want to speak up so much they kind of you know kill their vibes and and kind of suck the the social fun out of the situation so i don't know personally many peacocks but i do come across people like that in my you know working life and interpersonal relationships well what you've worked out is you've worked out how to filter out these people because they don't fit in your environment and that's what most people don't take that step so that's very very smart you've done that and it's actually required but uh, you'll actually find that that usually means you're one of the personality types on the other side of the spectrum because there's a conflict with that person, Mm. right? Um, And if you're in a sales environment, you need to understand who you are Mm. so you can actually connect with that person because what most people do is they force their personality onto others. And by doing that, you make a massive mistake because you make the assumption that they're just like you when they aren't. They Mm -hmm. really, really aren't. So are you ready for the last one? Uh, Let me guess. Okay, we've had... An eagle, we've had an owl, we've had a peacock. I'm thinking about a bird that has a completely different type of personality that's quite common. Quite a popular bird in London, a pigeon. Yeah. So I call it the pigeon or the dove. You're 100% right. This animal is a pack animal, very flighty. Mm-hmm. Um, this The pigeon is the type of person that you go, hey, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, where are we going? And like, they'll give you, you they'll want to have 15 uh, different locations, right? Mm-hmm. They want to go there, very indecisive, um, very social proof driven, right? It's all, what, what, where are you going? Where do you, where's Sally want to go? Where's Frank want to go? You're like, let's just go get tacos, right? Right. Well, let's just go get a meat pie because you're in London, right? One of my favorite food groups, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I say meat pie is a food group, so <laughs> I totally get it with mushy peas and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, the pigeon is that type of person, um, and they're interesting to engage with because they're also the person you'll type it, you'll take to lunch. They'll read the menu, and they've changed their mind ten times. Yeah, so, this sounds good. That sounds good. Oh, what are you having? That type of thing. 
yeah. they're looking around and then they see a plate just walk by them like oh that looks good i might get that yeah i'm like just bloody well pick something already right yeah. so uh yeah so that's the pigeon and they all buy differently they all uh, get clothes differently they've all got thinking um uh logic rationale decision making processes differently and as soon as you can understand that you can literally transform the way you communicate transform the way you sell yeah and so i i, I guess uh, you know, I've kind of figured out maybe I'm a bit of a, an owl and an eagle at times. I'm not really a pigeon type person and I hate peacocks. What is your personal, you know, like bird kind of configuration? Or are you kind of like a strong eagle man, an owl man? Or do you kind of float between all four, depending on who you're speaking to? So uh, I float at this point in time uh, because I can I know how to change and I can understand their motivators and drivers and things like that. Mm. But I'm traditionally, I am the eagle peacock because I like the attention, I like the, the spotlight, but I also like to get shit done mm. uh, and very task-driven and uh, driven to the results. So that's my connotation. In different environments, I can change. So like you know, when I'm out cycling, what have you, I'll be more of, of an eagle um uh pigeon because like i'm with the group i'm tackling with and you know what i'm quite happy to follow others when they're taking the lead and that type of stuff because we're out going on and my common objective is just to have fun on the bike if that makes sense yeah uh so uh, everyone's got a primary and a secondary um and you get to maximize those based on the context so does that help you yeah so to to speak to somebody who might be a pigeon primary but with maybe an eagle secondary how would or do we sell or even just speak to that person in the in the best way possible yeah so let's think about it in this context so let, when we're talking about the eagle like that person is worried literally they're worried about not having control uh or they're worried about not getting the results they want in life um, and when you're selling to, you said the other one was the peacock. We just need to define those. And what I'm actually doing is I'm actually, I've got a whole checklist of these all written out that I share with people. Um, so when we talk about the, uh, the, the dove or the pigeon, um, they're worried about what other people will think of them. Um, they don't want to buy the wrong thing because they don't want to get embarrassed, mm. right? So when you're selling to the pigeon or the dove, for example, you need to be talking about, how other people were in this in their situation and Sally had this experience and within 30 days she was more confident people were commenting her on blah 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 or they got the results they were looking for and they're all about that social hysterics if they have any form of embarrassment or feel embarrassed you need to fix that really quickly one of the things we actually do is we literally help people analyze their sales calls and give them insights into um, that emotional change because the dove is going to have more buyer's remorse mm. and feel embarrassment post-sale. Right. So therefore for the dove, what do you have to do to reinforce them? And you'd actually need to resell them on the next conversation you have with them. Right. You're going to have to sell them. You're actually going to have to resell them multiple times yeah. until they're fully committed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, where the where the eagle like gets sold once, they're already in the sales cycle is very short because they've already made up their mind, right? Yeah. Where with the dove, it's you've got to have those conversations, you've got to be supporting them, you've got to be encouraging them, uh, and you've got to um, keep them because remember that bird is a flighty bird. Right. They'll get scared at the oh my god, I was googling this and I found out this other product is this. Oh my god! Right, the sky is falling. Right. Yeah. Have, you've experienced that before, right? In of sales? course, yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, did that answer the question? Yeah, it does. So how did you get to this kind of psychology or way of thinking about people and sales? Because it's, you know, obviously there's there's many different sales secrets and sales gurus per se, but this is definitely a, a thinking pattern that I've not come across before. It's, it's kind of rooted in psychology and it's coming from an educated perspective rather than these are the rules of selling. You use these rules and you, you're in and you're going. You're asking people to actually analyze who they're selling to and why they might buy. So how did you come to this this thinking framework? Well, it all stemmed out from the, the foundation that, man, I sucked at sales. I was like, the, I was a shy introvert. Uh, when I was growing up and I was a kid, a complete introvert, I was scared of my own shadow. So talking to people was just not going to happen. I would rather go to the dentist and get a root canal than literally <laughs> make a sales call or a, um, or a cold call. Like mm. just... It ain't going to happen. I don't care what the reward was at the end. Like you could go, Ben, there's a million dollars on the table. If you can just make that one sales call and I'd be like, screw it. I'm going to the dentist. Yeah. Right. Like it just, uh, and there's a lot of people that can relate to that. Right. Um, sale, great sales people are created. Right. That whole ice to Eskimos thing. is just BS. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and the reality is, is like I had to go through an evolution and I went to and learned from all these sales trainers. They got this complicated thing. Use this script, use that script. And like, I'm like, yeah, but how do I connect with a person? Yeah. And you go down the whole, pro- uh, you go down the whole process of perf- uh, persuasion, influence, body language, all this type of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, this is all great, but how do I implement it? Because I'm the Eagle. I'm like, how do I implement? I'm, how do I, how do I take this theory yeah. and bloody well implement it into a conversation I'm having at the coffee shop right now. Yeah. Right. And, as good as it is to have a complicated 10 step framework, it just doesn't work when you, when like the rubber hits the road. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and a lot of the research actually came from a guy that I was following in Australia called Des Hunt. So uh, he created this bird program, this bird pattern, and it was the simplest thing I found. And I went into the more complicated things like uh, disc and Myers-Briggs and all this type of stuff, but they're just so complicated. Like you need a whole PhD to learn it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And the thing is, is I'm like, okay, what if I'm trying to like, if I want to learn it for me, Mm. that's one thing. But if I'm trying to teach my sales team, trying to teach two people, five people, 500 people, how do I teach it so within 15 minutes they've got it and they can actually do something with it, mm. right? And that's like, all right, I have to cut away all the fat. I have to cut away all the crap because most people aren't going to spend a weekend at a two-day boot camp just learning about personality. They right. don't have the luxury, yeah. right? You've got 20 minutes on a podcast and you want to be more effective by the time you get to work or wherever you're going because you want to pick up a chick, you want to... You want to have a better sales conversation. You want to connect better with your partner, right? Mm. So uh, I really worked out that we had to make it simple. And after going through everything and spending lots and lots of money on all these things and access and research, I went back to this model that I literally found 20 years ago from Des Hunt and with the birds and then just started to use that. And people would be like, I got it. Like, you understand the birds right now. You're going to be able to go away. And like, I could quiz you in a week and go, man, what were the four birds we spoke about? Yeah. And you've, you're instantly going to go, right? Yeah. So if the, if you already know the foundation of the knowledge, it's now about, okay, what are you and how do I help you better identify and then know what to say? So yeah. now, now that's step two. Like we can already get there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and that's what a lot of businesses that I talk to find it very, very impactful is that like 
we can now start to profile an entire company. We can start to see where there's management conflict. Mm. Um, we analyze people's emails and their call recordings, for example, to see um, if there was a negative emotion that wasn't addressed. Because if there was this negative emotion, you've now got this negative emotion that you have to deal with before you can even ask. Like by understanding the word patterns, we can actually understand if you even have influence over the person you're talking to. So yeah. here's, a, here's a pop question for you. If you're a salesperson and you don't have influence over the person you're talking to, what do you think is going to happen when you try to close them? Well, they're going to just say, they're going to say no. They're going to be like, you know, I have all these rejections, all these reasons for not buying. I'm sticking by what I was originally coming into the call for because more often than not, most leads don't want to buy. <laughs> Regardless of how well qualified they are or whatever else, they most likely don't want to buy. So they're going to stick by that point because you have no influence over them. You haven't persuaded them. It's just like, and it's time to try to close you, Mr. Client. And they're like, no, I'm sticking with my first answer, which was no. Yeah. And, and the reality is, is because at the beginning of the call, you didn't have influence. You didn't establish influence. You didn't create that. Um, and if you did that, you'd be able to resolve the problem. So mm -hmm. the thing is, is, and then a lot of salespeople then blame the leads. Oh, the lead sucks. The lead is this. Rah, yeah. rah, rah, rah. I'm like, no, the lead is there because they actually do want to take some action. It's just you mm. failed to establish influence. So therefore, there is something going wrong with your communication. It could be you're subconsciously putting out mm -hmm. a sabotaging behavior where you're actually sabotaging yourself. You're yeah. saying too much or you're just you're bloody well not asking the right questions right. Uh, and you're not getting the pain point out because a lot of people will jump straight into the sales script yeah. without even connecting with the prospect and identifying what their pain is and why you're here today. Like, for example, the common one is literally, okay, so why are we here today? Mm. What do we want to get out of today's call? And then, ah, oh, I just wanted more information, right? Yeah. So the salesperson, check, just want more information, go straight into the sales pitch, and like just thinks they're just handing out information. I'm Rather like, than well, specifying what specific information they might need that could help them get to a point of influence, right? Yeah, it's like, so like I literally say to people, so you jump on like several calls a week just to grab information. Is that what you're trying to do right now? Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, all right, so tell me what, what's your exact use case? What's the problem you're trying to solve? And I yeah. try to get at least three layers deep because if I don't, I'm going to miss the whole bloody thing. And yeah. there is no reason to buy. Uh, I may not even I may not even be talking to the right decision maker. So mm. therefore, I've now got to have a this presentation again with the decision maker, and I've yeah. got to equip this person to speak to the decision maker to facilitate the next call, right? Yeah. All because I didn't skip the question and just go straight into the sales pitch. Mm. And because if you don't know somebody's pain and true motivation, there is no freaking way you're going to be able to sell them. And there's a big difference, and I think, where most people screw up, completely screw up in their pitching, sales communication, is we've, in some industries, we have order takers. Mm. And order taking is not sales. Yeah. Order taking is like you go through to a hamburger store, right? You're ordering your hamburger. Like, you want fries with that? Yeah, okay, that's... It's yes, it's an upsell, but it's mm. more of an order taking request. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And people think sales works the same way. So it's like, hey, Mr. Smith, I have this TV and it comes in 57 inches or 62 inches. Which one do you want? Yeah. Like, Mr. That's Smith goes, I don't want a TV. <laughs> I already have yeah, one. I, I, I came here for a DVD recorder. Like, what? Like, yeah. So they're like, yeah, but I've got TVs. Like, so the thing is, is like, they fumble over that. And people are like, that sounds stupid. But I'm like, but hold on. 
how many times have you done it in your own presentations? Yeah. How many times have you just mistakenly thought just because they're like the, or the other sales myth, they're fogging up a mirror, three mm. foot rule. So they're a prospect. Yeah. Well, that's a load of horse, right? Right. Because yeah. as you've already said, you don't want to work with pigeons. Yeah. But yet, pe- like people want you to go and sell pigeons all freaking day long. Yeah. Okay. So what was the first kind of time that you used your your sales technique like? Because obviously you were testing out and trialing out before that, but the, the time where you had it all together and all kind of in, you know, in motion, what was that time like? Did it feel almost magical that, you know, did you actually end up closing that lead? Because, you know, every salesperson, as much as, you know, certain sales gurus will tell you you can close, you know, upwards of 90% of your leads, there's a success rate and a failure rate. So, you know, what was that first time like using the behavioral sales technique? Uh it was really uh, cool. It was through a lot of time in a trial and error, right? Mm. And we've called it several things over the time. Um, but at the end of the day, right now, it, it makes it easier because it also makes it, they, a lot of people call this consultative selling or client-first selling or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's uh, it allows me to connect authentically with people. because you, And right now, I get in a position where I'm like, you know what? I actually can't help you, mm. but what I can recommend is this. Because what's more valuable to me is the relationship. Yeah. Uh, because if I do that, mm. um, that lead will come back to me because I have trust and authority with him. Yeah. Right. And the thing is, is that's a valuable commodity mm. uh, because like, hey, they may not be my client today, but if they can be my client in three months, six months, 12 months, yeah. a lot of people look too short term. So it gives you more power in, in a conversation because it's your job to identify who's the right client and who's the ideal client. Um, and can you really deliver value to this person? Yeah. Right. And uh, it makes it, it makes the sales process far more rewarding because I was doing those high pressure sales because that's what you learn, right? Yeah. You learn, you've got a high pressure, you've got to force them in and then mm. we'll deal with the churn rate tomorrow. Mm. Right. Well, it, that kind of sucks when you, your commissions are dependent on that churn and like you, the whole drama that comes with it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and it just like the process feels more freeing because when you can literally have a conversation with somebody, you're amazed at what opens up and the opportunity that can open up from that conversation. Yeah. So h- how do we build that kind of instant trust and authority with somebody as we're using the behavioral sales technique? Um, the, the first part of that uh, technique um, literally is designed around clarifying the purpose of why they're here. So when you get on a call today, you go, hey, you get on with confidence. So you, you clearly have confidence. You set the agenda and you, you set the, the time period. So when you get on a call, you say, hey, uh, Chris, great, great, great to be on the call today. Um, I've got a quick agenda that I want to cover with you uh, for this call. So I've got a loose framework I'm going to go for. And it's gonna, we're going to be talking for about 10 minutes. Um, and then at the end of the call today, I'm literally going to ask uh, you if it's something of interest or if it's not. And if it's not, that's completely okay. Mm. Um, and, and if it's not of interest, I'm also going to let you know if that's okay because I want to respect your time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if I can, I'm going to refer you to the right source for, to help you. Right. So in less than 60 seconds there, I've been able to create control. I'm leading the conversation. Uh, I've got an agenda in which we're going to follow. And I, I'm not just sitting there humming and harring. And I don't need to talk about rapport for 15 minutes about where your kids went to school, what you did on the weekend, what you had for lunch. It's, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and that's what a lot of people make that mistake. They jump on a call, they're humming and harring, like jump on with confidence, state your agenda, create a time period, and then uh, move into the... Uh, process confidently um and if you can just do that you'll be amazed like rapport building is literally now a 60 second process yeah 
to you, what is rapport, the basis of rapport when you're building it quickly? What what do you kind of want to get from your lead or your person or a client? Like how are you building that rapport so quickly? So one of the things is, is we use the um, behavior insights platform to identify and predict what people's personality styles are. So we can convert we can convert an email address or a LinkedIn profile literally into a full personality assessment. So I can predict what your personality is. So before I jump on a call with you, I take the 15 seconds, I look at that, I see what bird you are. I'm like, great. I know what bird you're going to be. So now I know how to prep myself, right? right? So that's what I did before I got on the call. When I got on the call, I'm talking confidently, just setting the agenda and taking the lead. People want to buy from people that are leading them. Mm. If you do not lead them confidently and if you don't believe in the product you're selling, there is no freaking way you're going to close the deal to begin with, right? A lot of people are literally selling subpar products, which they have no belief in. And that's a bigger problem than than most people can uh, imagine. Um, So you really want to think of that, that rapport is it's just like, hey, what is this bird's motivations? What are their stresses? Um, and for example, if I was talking to the peacock, I'd have to talk a little bit more about status. Hey, man, I've published these five books and like I hear you want to become famous, right? Mm. Uh, or I might greet them and go, hey, the famous Chris, yeah. how you doing, man? Super excited to hear. Like, what did you get up to on the weekend? Because that bird wants to talk about them, their success, their fame. All right, Chris, like that's super cool. We've got a tight schedule of 10 minutes. So if it's okay with you, uh, I want to dive right into that and set and tell them what the agenda is, right? Yeah. And go, look, because I want to completely understand your goals and how I can support you. Mm. And like that's rapport. Yeah. Do you see the difference there? Yeah. You, you kind of allowed that person, depending on what type of bird they are, the space they needed to feel comfortable and, and kind of open up to you. And one thing you said a little bit earlier was about going three layers deep. And a previous guest of the podcast, he said that he would ask people why endlessly just to see what the real root cause of whatever issues they had. This wasn't particularly for sales. It was more for persuasion and that kind of thing. But sales is persuasion. So is that kind of what you're talking about when you talk about getting three layers deep? Is it asking why, why, why? 100%. Because what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to uh, label them with their problem. And the thing is, is if you can't label their problem and go, so, hey, Chris, so based on what you're telling me, here's what I'm hearing. Is that correct? I'm hearing that you're frustrated with your ability to generate leads and be able to connect with people mm. because you're wanting to get on stage, you're wanting to sell webinars, you're wanting to become a doctor, whatever it is, right? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, what else is the, the problem that's stopping you from getting success right now? Yeah. Like, and by asking that, they're going to go even deeper, right? Mm. And then because you have to be able to put their label. And when I say label them, you've got to use their words back with them. And this is where a lot of people screw up the whole labeling thing. Because when they label, they use your words to them. And they're like, "Mm, mm," or they might just go, oh, okay. The thing is, is your words aren't their words and aren't what has an emotional connection to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it, it's kind of almost a psychological trick that you're using there or psychological method of, right, I'm going to speak in your language to your terms to find out your problem. And once I know your problem, I'm going to say your problem back to you, even though you've probably already said it. And then from there, we've kind of become more educated together on how my product may or may not fit you. Because that's, you know, one thing I've realized is with what you're saying is you're not trying to sell to everybody because not every person needs your product or not every person can utilize or maybe even afford your product so what do you do in a situation where you might find out you know 
someone can't afford your product or someone isn't actually suitable how how do you go from there do you kind of keep that door open or you completely close it yeah so the um that's an interesting question so the thing is is like i usually say to people like hey if this is your rent money uh is this the right thing you need to be doing mm. with this right now right where well, the thing is is that also puts you in a different risk position because the last thing i want to be dealing with is someone who becomes a flighty animal mm. because like they've got all these pressures and they've got all these false expectations and the thing is is like are they actually going to do the work they're committed to um i'm not interested in dealing with those people or the drama that comes with it like uh yeah. when i'm selling anyone right i have a simple rule i have a no dick policy right <laughs> okay so the thing is is if you're going to be a client where you're going to be a complete pain in the ass you're going to be more stressed for me and my team and you're going to create drama mm. good you know what i've got some competition down the road they're absolutely fantastic <laughs> they actually are better for your price point than we are because we're more expensive and we're more focused on getting the results and taking the action and having accountability yeah. and from what it sounds like you're not really interested in like having like feet to the fire like accountability right yeah. where like it's going to be fully on you to get this stuff done you you may be looking for some more you want it done for you you want to maybe just general babysitting so what i'm going to do is i'd highly recommend their product mm. um because one of the big things what happens a lot of the times also from what we've analyzed is people will they'll on when it comes to price they'll do two things they'll either be posturing or they'll collapse right it's like a pendulum that swings back and forth and years and years ago i used to suck in sales so much that i would collapse when it comes to pricing like yeah. i would negotiate with myself have you ever done that <laughs> yeah like, you'd be all oh, the price is 5000 but if that's too much we could do 4000 but risk if 4000 too much what what could you afford to pay because then i'll just you know what i mean and you end up talking yourself down 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 when that person would have probably yeah. paid you 10000 and one thing i've learned in in my kind of sales journey is maybe sometimes let the client say a price first and if either of you are kind of going back you know that whole conversation of what's your budget how much do you charge well what's your budget how much do you charge you have to come in with a with a bracket and different tiers of brackets otherwise you're always going to end up selling the lowest price yeah i always come and go so uh, it usually starts at 25 to 75,000 dollars depending on the way you're trying to be going so that way i framed it and they've heard yeah. whatever they want right mm. and the thing is is um it's really important to do that and that bracketing is doesn't have to be different things for different people it's you just don't want to collapse on price like when you say a price i'm like well that's great uh, we do have a payment plan if that's what you need but uh, if you do use the payment plan you will be paying more Mm. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, is it going to be cash, check, or credit? Like, how did you want to move forward today? Like, you can assume the sale, or you can. Some people like to actually assume the no. Yeah. Um, and actually make. And if you assume the no, mm. you actually make them sell you and reinforce you on why they're doing this. Yeah. Because if they don't actually have the drive and the passion to do this, then once again, you're kind of shit out of luck. Mm. Yeah. Are there times where you've been either in the sales process or kind of before behavioral sales where you've been doing something and it's not been going so great? How do you kind of become aware of these issues and overcome them? Well, one of the biggest things I had to become aware of is like everything is a reflection on myself, right? Mm. So the thing is, is yeah, I've been in situations where stuff hasn't worked out. I've had business partners where it hasn't worked out. I've had uh, businesses break down. I've had products fail. Like all this type of stuff. Like I've been through that hamster wheel. Mm. It sucks. But I'm like, okay, 
in every experience, there's something I can learn from that, right? And I'm like, okay, what am I trying to learn? What is the behavioral pattern that I'm doing that's triggering this? What is my belief pattern that I have right now that's causing this outcome? Mm. Am I focused on the positive of the outcome or am I focused on the negative of the outcome? Right. A lot of people don't realize that even what they're focused on is the negative. This lead isn't going to convert. Yeah. This lead is going to suck. Blah, blah, blah whatever excuse. Mm. Well, the reality is, as you jump on that thing, what's the whole energy and the whole conversational tone, the whole body language tone of that? Like, are you walking in and you, your shoulders are slumped? Right. Like you're in this defeatist position. Yeah. If you're in a defeatist position, how on earth are you going to get have even experienced success? Yeah. Because all you're, all you're expecting mm -hmm. is that you're going to get your hit. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize the real impact of that. So one of the things I had to uh, do is really control, become aware of what I'm doing, what I'm saying, who I'm being, yeah. and what am I actually expecting this? I might say I've got a big goal, but I'm actually expecting this process to fail. And because it's going to fail, I I reinforce that. Yeah. And it sucks when you really got to become aware of the shit you're doing. Like you're dredging through your own life. Like... Mm. um like someone who needs to cut the fat because yeah. you're like, Hey, if your current reality is a complete um, replication of your thought process. Right. So the thing is, is you have to ask, I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that because that's okay. Or you know what? That sucks. And you know what, what is my thought pattern that's allowing this to be acceptable? What is my thought pattern or belief pattern right now? That's allowing this to be, uh, okay in my life. And most people aren't willing to ask those tough questions. They don't want to become self-aware. They'd rather be pointing the finger at somebody else. It's somebody else's fault. It's this is fault, right? Rather than, you know what? I'm 100% accountable and I need to take action. Yeah. So on the view of accountability, what would you say has been your biggest takeaway from one of your greatest failures? And I know it's a difficult question, but I feel like, you know, in failure, there's more of a lesson than there is a, a, a kind of punishment type thing. Yeah, so... It's uh, what's the belief I had uh, that got me to here and what was the evidence I was using mm. to reinforce that belief. And the thing comes down, it was that belief serving me. So it's either thriving or dying, right? Mm. So the thing is, is that belief helping you thrive or the belief helping you uh, die? Uh, and when it gets anchored back as like, hey, I did this stuff because I was seeking approval because I got yelled at one time in the, in the parking lot as a kid. Mm. Right. So everything I'm doing is like, there's, I had like, a, here's a stupid belief I had. Right. Uh, I got yelled at in the parking lot. Like, we're playing with the shopping trolley. Me and my brothers were playing with in, on a shopping cart, shopping trolley yeah. in, in this car park one time. Right. And this little old lady came and yelled the living crap out of us. Like, mm. so, like, there's three boys playing around. Right. Mm. And for some reason, I created this belief that I can't have fun and enjoy life. Right. Because if I do, someone's going to yell at me. Yeah. So even when I would go to Disneyland, Disney World, the happiest place on earth, I had this belief as though I can't have fun. I can't be looking to have fun because someone's going to yell at me. I'm going to get in trouble for doing something. So yeah. then I'm kind of like holding back from full enjoyment. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. All because when I was a kid, some lady yelled at me for not being stupid on a shopping trolley, yeah. which I get at the time, but like. It's that interpretation. So when you really can like analyze that type of stuff and you go, what a lot of the beliefs we hold as humans are ludicrous. Yeah. Like they're complete crazy. Like, and when you say them, like you're like, Ben, how can you have that stupid belief? But I'm like, uh, it's stupid now because I can take ownership of it. I can only go, you know what? 
I'm not allowing this thing to take control of my life anymore. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So are those type of things, topics that you cover in your book? Your book's called People Ignorant, I think? Yeah, it's called People Ignorant because uh, at this point in time, like I feel that we've become ignorant to being able to connect with each other. We've become Mm. ignorant to understanding some basic body language. And the thing is, is if you want to get anywhere, it's more about being able to connect with people and understand people than it is about trying to learn some secret sales strategy that no one's used before, blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so what kind of made you write people ignorant? Like, as in, was it kind of a thing when you was always like, I need to write? Because I feel like you've said you've written five books. So you're like, I need to write a fifth book. Or was it like, this is a trilogy of, or, uh, you know, a sequence of books that will help you get better at sales? Or was it just a kind of a spur of the moment thing? He's like, people are ignorant. I need to write a book about it. No, well, I, I wrote it just to help communicate the message of what we're doing. Uh, and all, all my books are on different topics. But at the end of the day, they're usually used for a business purpose or a business focus. Um, and I was use, really using it to as the training tool for my own team. So I'm like, all right, cool. Here's the manual I'm going to create. And we've actually got two more books that are publishing at the moment as well, like all around this personality stuff, helping people advance. Because I'm like, you know what? If I had to put this in 150 pages and give you the exact full blueprint of what the hell to do, how to do it, and how to become the best person you want to be, what would that be? Um, And it helps me articulate a model. It helps me articulate a process so I can deliver it more concisely and communicate it because uh, it forces me to uh, up my game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, because pen to paper, writing the book, putting it out there, and then talking to people about it, and you go, you're, you're, you're right. Like, I, we could say this better. We can do this better. Or here's this story that tells that better. And we're all humans that uh, learn through stories. One of the things I say to people is like, do you know how to communicate stories effectively to each of these birds? Yeah. Like, even when you look at your testimonials or your case studies, how do you communicate it? to the people differently based on what they want to get out of the story. Yeah. And a lot of people haven't put that much thought into, oh, Jim had this result where he got the roof on in two weeks and he's happy. Mm. Okay, great. But to the to the dove and the uh, and the peacock, that doesn't mean squat because it's social people, uh, social awareness. How does this make me look good? How does this make me, like, how do my neighbours get envious and jealous of the new roof they've got on my house? That's what they want to hear. That's what they're looking to hear for. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And so for you, if you had to kind of sum up your your life experience at this moment in time and tell it to your younger self, what would that sound like as a, a a motivational quote? Do the work. Do the work. Yeah. So very, very short and sweet. And it's just like uh, a lot of people give up too early. Like I gave up too early on things going through my life. Um, and when things got hard, um, you'd change tack, change course. The thing is, is like a, the the stoic quote is the obstacle is the way. Yeah. And the thing is, is most people don't grind through it. Um, and it's better like some, I made mistakes like thinking I needed to have 10 businesses because Richard Branson has a hundred and some businesses. So yeah. I need to be doing 50 different things. I got to have five different side hustles at any one point in time. Mm. And that's all BS. Like the best thing you can actually do is go deep, not wide. Most people um, are, are an inch deep and a mile wide rather than a, a mile deep and an inch wide. And yeah. if you can go deep on anything, you would create a success class that is like beyond anything else um so yeah that's kind of where that stems from do the work so 
do you have any examples of you quote unquote doing the works because I'm, I'm interested you said the behavior sales has been many different things in its time and you know you've been through different business partners so what's an example of you quote unquote doing the work to get to where you're at now um well focusing 100 percent on this is one of the things so uh, really you can only have one master right so uh repositioning myself out of other companies so i'm just kind of like advising and mentoring rather than actually being in the day-to-day -day operations the other thing is like hey great write in the book uh we set a challenge for ourselves get on 100 podcasts in in less than 30 days and that we're doing that right mm. we're rolling out products we're rolling out software uh, i'm making sales calls i'm and talking to people about licensing deals it's all about doing the work showing up every freaking day and you know what hey i've got to go test this software i've got to go test this system i've got to go talk to people about what how does this you um this dashboard look to you for showing you this data does it like what do you interpret from this right mm. um that stuff's not going to do itself. Um, the phone conversations aren't going to be had themselves. Uh, and it's all right. How do I get that done? Because how do I build that momentum? Does that make sense? So it's just yeah. like, and at times, I'll be honest, man, the, the work of running a business can suck. Mm. Particularly if you've been doing for six to 12 months, you've been doing it two years, you've been doing it 10 years. Like mm. at some point you're like, it gets boring as anything. Yeah, But you got to work at, how can you make the, the boring stuff exciting? Because if you can continue to do that, if you can create small challenges for yourself, if you can create, you know what? It's like, hey, how do I do this work? And it only take me four hours rather than eight. Yeah. Right. All right. So that's a new challenge. And it's not, a, it's not about, you know what? There's this other opportunity or man, I could get, get into crypto right now and I can start doing all this crypto stuff. Like, it's not about that. Mm. It's about like really focusing in um, and you'll get far better results. Yeah. Because there is a whole kind of movement now of people saying, oh, you need this. And if you do this and that, have a side hustle and that, you'll be a millionaire in a week. It's like, well, going by your logic, if we just focus in on one thing, what, what am I good at? What can I do? That is going to pay you much longer term than going, right, oh, this is hot, that's hot. Let me get a bit of this and a bit of that. So how do you kind of find out or how did you find out what was your, you know, inch wide, mile deep thing? Uh, well, I was always passionate and it, the common thread about everything I've done has been this, like the human psychology in performance improvement. And literally like, man, I'm, I'm looking just above my camera right now. It's literally a post-it note and it literally says, what is the one problem I need to solve right now? Yeah. Uh, because even when I'm looking at my workday, I'm going, okay, what's the one most important problem I can solve? Um, and I put it there to reiterate with myself because there's only one problem you can solve. And a lot of people are trying to solve the wrong problem in their life. And yeah. like, for me, it was getting clear about what excited me and like what difference do I really want to make, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't talk about legacy because I've got no interest in legacy. You can't create a legacy until you, you've arrived at a certain level of success. Right. Because all these people who are broke as crap running around talking about legacy. Look, mm. that was me 20 years ago. Like, I'm like, yeah, what legacy are you creating? Let's create a legacy. Yeah. I hadn't even made bloody $10,000 in sales and I'm trying to like create a, a legacy. Yeah. Like, what fluffy stuff is that right the yeah. thing is is like absolutely no substance um and like i get it like there's a whole generation we've created of uh influencers right who they get they don't have any real substance or depth to anything and i think there's this we're going to see that that's going to change very quickly because those influences their lifespan will become much shorter yeah and I'm interested in growing recurring revenue, creating something that grows deep and just continues to pay out as an asset. Like if you want to, here's another quote for you. Um, the rich sell stuff, the wealthy never sell anything. Mm. So the thing is, is you see all these people with their side hustles, 
they're always looking at changing to the next shiny object, right? Yeah. And the thing is, is that's not how you create real wealth. They may create a few riches, but then they ride this roller coaster of up and down, up and down. And um, there's nothing worse, to be honest, than experiencing, and I've experienced this, like someone following up with you two years later, hey, you still doing this thing? I'd, I'd love some help with it now. Like they weren't ready then, but they're ready now. And you're like, oh, no, nah, man, I gave that up like, like almost like one one year and like three quarters of the year like ago like i'm now on the fifth different variation of whatever right so yeah. the thing is is uh just continuing to show up you'll be amazed at the result of that but people don't have that patience yeah most definitely and so ben my kind of final closing question that i like to ask most of my guests if not all of my guests is what brings you the most joy in your line of work um, the most joy is really hearing people's transformations and hearing people's results. Cause I'm man, that's the eagle in me talking, right? Like, it's just like, okay, what results, how did it impact? And like, I want to talk to people about like, how is this impacting your communication? Are you communicating with your family better? Are you communicating with your kids better? Have you been able to see the frustrations you're having at work and now maybe you step back out of it and go, you know what, how do I have to alter my personality to connect with that guy better? Cause previously We've been chalk and cheese. We've been just like at it, right? Yeah. But now I can actually see, well, that's his personality and that's my personality. So you know what? If I just not be so dickish, that relationship just changes. Like I love hearing those stories. I love hearing how people are taking this knowledge um, and transforming their conversations because I believe conversations create relationships and relationships create business. And if you can't have a conversation, like, man, we're screwed. We're like, we're in a world where, we suffer from so much loneliness yet we're in the most connected generation ever. Mm. All right. Um, so it's all about like stimulating that. Um, and that's what kind of floats my boat. Here's where to find Ben online. Yeah. So if they want to reach out to us, ask any questions, get access to our personality assessments, they can check out behaviorsales.com or they can go there. They can spell it the English way or the American way. It really doesn't matter. But behaviorsales.com, if they go there and check that out, uh, they'll be able to get access to a whole ton of resources. Uh, they'll be able to access the Behavior Insights software that allows them to predict personality from an email address and they can start having some fun. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.